walking through Romans. It's been a wonderful walk so far, and we're walking into chapter 5 today. We're going to talk about confidence in Christ, but I want to say, and I'm saying this to myself as well as you, we are a yes, but people. Yes, but. No, I don't mean your bottom. Yes, life is good. Yes, we just sang this amazing lyric. We sang, oh, the wondrous grace of Jesus. Oh, my soul cannot contain. Did you sing that with me? Yes. Yes, oh, that's true. But... Dax, my life's not going that great right now. I sing that for a moment. My heart gets lifted up. But reality, you know, it hits all of us all the time. We're walking around in this yet but kind of lifestyle. It starts really young. My kids are like this. One of them has this brand new toy and she's holding on to it. And I said, oh, what a great toy you've got there. Yeah, daddy, but she wants me to share it. Did you catch that? Yes, daddy, but... We were sitting here singing this morning. One of my kids is holding my hand, and she wants both of them. Daddy, I want both your hands. Yes, I love you, Daddy, that you're next to me, but don't give your hand to that girl. I want it. I want them both. That's a kid. We're like this all the time. Things don't go exactly as we'd like them to go, and we live in this yes, but kind of life. I don't know what it is. It could be your job. It could be your kids, your parents. You may regret bad things bad choices yes god died for me but god really doesn't like me (laughs) and i want to pull you back today i want to pull you back to the text we've been walking through i want to pull you back to the reality we've walked through the last few weeks of our justification our righteousness given to us by god the righteousness of jesus christ outside of us no, no matter how bad we've been the reality of that wondrous truth. What does it mean? That's where Paul's going today. The confident assurance we have, how it works itself out, how it echoes through our life. Paul highlights two particular things this morning in the first section of chapter 5. It's peace and hope. We get real peace with God. We get true hope forever, and it's found only in Jesus' righteousness. Look with me, Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. We'll read the first 11 verses. I just want you to hear it. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we've now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ 
whom we now have received reconciliation. It's an amazing passage of Scripture. It's so amazing that we often run our eyes over it. And so I want to start this morning by looking at peace. I want to start with us looking at peace unshakable. With this quest we have for peace. What is this? It was there in verse 1. He starts right away. Therefore, to all the things I've just told you, since we've been justified by faith. What's that justified word mean? It means we've been declared righteous by God, no matter how terrible we've been by our faith in Jesus, His goodness for us, His righteousness. We're now seen by God as true, right. We've seen that already. So, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace. Have you have peace? Now, I know when I say peace, I know some of you go right away to, yes, I know of only a few wars going on and none of the wars are impacting Bellingham that I know of, so yes, I'm at peace. That's not really what he means here. He does mean this. You know, God hates sin and I'm a sinner, so I have enmity between me and God. That's one thing. But there's this peace that he brings in, the Hebrew term for peace, it's called shalom. And there's this thought that he's going towards that, Paul. We have this shalom, this this well-being, you and I do. It covers health and prosperity and security and friendship and salvation. It's the desired experience of individuals and families and communities. It's present because of God's own presence and His favor towards people. It means I'm right where I'm supposed to be. God, I can trust and rest and know that everything is right between me and God and it bleeds over into all of my life. I have peace. It feeds this desire that I have to be known and accepted and loved and not miss the mark and be understood and free and joyful and blessed and right with God in every moment and not guilty or anxious or fearful or hiding. I want my life to count and to be useful and to last. I want peace. I wonder if you have it. We do. Everybody in here wants to be satisfied. I know you do. It's our basic thing. We want to be satisfied. We want life to count. We want... I want that deep breath to just say, yes, I'm okay. Everything's right. There's a whole book on, on, on someone who tried to do that without Jesus. It's Ecclesiastes. We read a little piece of it, but take a look with me about this man for a minute. Think, how do I get it? How do I go after it? What do I find? I'm grasping. This picture is a fantastic picture from the book of Ecclesiastes. I'm not the only one who ties these together to show lack of peace. I appreciate Matt Chandler and these things, but take a look with me just for a minute. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 1. I want to show you something. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. You go to Psalms, you go to Proverbs, you hit Ecclesiastes. The very first page of Ecclesiastes is chapter 1, and it says this. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. So it starts out this amazing book of Ecclesiastes. We're not going to go through all Ecclesiastes today, but I want you to see this. I want you to get a feel for what we're talking about with peace and hope. And say, look, 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 look. He wrote a whole book. Solomon did, right? 
son of David, king in Jerusalem, the wisest of the wise, the one who asked God and said, what I desire is wisdom. And God said, oh, I like that. I will give you wisdom. And he searched for satisfaction, and that's what he's looking for. He's using his great wisdom, human wisdom, to look and see, where can I get satisfaction out of life? Where can I find peace? And so that's what he did, and he wrote a whole book on it. But just see the very beginning, what does he say? He says, vanity of vanities, says the preacher. That's verse 2 of chapter 1. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And we, we hear that and we're used to vanity being, I'm vain, you're so vain. No, no, no. Vanity, empty. I'm, I'm, there's no satisfaction and rightness and peace in life. I can't find it. This was the king of a very prosperous, wealthy nation. He, he had more wealth and power and fame than you or I will ever, 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 ever have. And yet he says there, vanity of vanities, meaningless, without peace, everything in life, without peace, everything, marriage, pleasure, wealth, everything. And then he goes through 38 chapters, and he's, or 12 chapters, he says it 38 times. Meaningless. And not satisfied, he methodically rips into every area of life and says, if you're looking for your satisfaction and peace there, empty. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 3, what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Meaningless. You work and you work and you get up early and you go to bed late and you and you get nothing out of it. Life is a treadmill and there's no way off. And he goes to show that 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 Solomon does in Ecclesiastes that he's smarter than you and me. And so he goes and he does everything to the max. Everything to the max. You and I say, well, you know what? I'd be really satisfied if if I just had a little more stuff, dude, Solomon, wealthiest man ever, collecting, 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 mounds of stuff, mounds of stuff. It's coming out his ears. He has so much stuff. Oh, meaningless, he says. He said, well, I'd be really nice if I had a little bit nicer house. Okay, Solomon spent 14 years building his house. It wasn't for lack of funds. It was because he wanted to make it grand and huge. And then he built a house for all of his 700 wives. Yeah, whoa. Okay, and you think, oh, surely he found some satisfaction in his marvelous house. Meaningless, he says. He goes on in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. He says he systematically threw the largest parties in the world. Hey, I, I went after pleasure. That's where we go. He's like us. Man, I want to get satisfied. I want satisfaction. Party hard. I'll go after pleasure. I'll find pleasure somewhere. Pleasure will ease my pain. For us, it's Xboxes. We love them. Let's just, just give it a little satisfaction. I'll just tune out for a while and I'll go into pleasure. This guy went into pleasure hugely. Second Kings records the incredible parties he threw. Massive, massive, massive things. And he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, Verse 11, he says, vanity, 
empty. All of it. I pursued pleasure with all my heart. I tried to get satisfaction and it's empty. He tried other things too. He just looked out and said, what about justice? We'll do justice. That's what we read this morning. Ecclesiastes 8, 14. He says, oh, it's a tragedy. If what I want is a satisfaction of seeing justice, what do I see? I see that the, that the evil man and the good man and both of them die. The same thing happens to everybody. That's not right. I have no peace about that. And so you see over and over, it's not wrong that he desired it. It says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, that God has put eternity in our hearts. We desire peace. And the Bible shows us this picture through Ecclesiastes of this sort of mind-numbing, bewildered, this is not right. I can't, I, I can't get right. I, I, nothing seems to be right. And we're left grasping after sand. A great bewildered sadness because there was no peace. Wasn't the need that was wrong to desire that? Peace, satisfaction, rightness, joy. It's the solution, right? Because the world's broken. And we've seen that already. Sin is high treason, R.C. Sproul says. And you and I are part of it. You know and I know there are people out there that disappoint you. They disappoint me. And I start not to have peace. There are people in here who haven't lived up to how they ought to. And I'm right there too. I haven't lived up. I know the truth. I can look in the mirror and I can see I'm not who I ought to be. And so I'm tempted to get anxious and tight and not have peace. Because I think God's up there and he's looking down at me and he's disappointed. You and me, we're guilty. Okay. Why, why do all that? Because you see, it's a real thing and you have it whether you think you do or not. Do you really have peace? And you say, yeah, Dax, I got peace. And if I poke you enough, you'll say, yes, Dax, I have peace. But... Then it'll come. But if my kid was just acting a little bit better. But if my spouse, boy, but if you knew my spouse. I do know your spouse. Yeah, you're right. It's okay. But do you not have peace? See, where does that come from? Where does it come from? To have this settled rightness, to have this settled blessedness, to have this knowledge through your whole life that you walk with, that you are, oh, well blessed. A sense of well-being. Here's what Paul says it comes from. It's a clean statement. Look, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. We're having, that's a present tense, that's continually having, now and forever, peace with God. Blessedness, well-being. We've got it, it says. We've got it. He actually says there in verse 1, he's going to repeat it down in verse 11. Look, it frames this whole passage. Look at verse 11. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received, what's that word? Reconciliation. That's it. Peace 
reconciliation, they're the same. You have been reconciled with God. Rightness has been set. Well, blessedness is set. We are all there through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a state of objective well-being and the experience of it. It's not just, oh, I know, okay, I know. No, I am right with Jesus. God and I are fine. No, experience it with me. There's a harmony that you now have because you have Jesus Christ, because your faith is in Him. Why? Because of justification. Because we know the promises of God that have been set that say, my righteousness, the righteousness earned by Jesus on the cross is accounted to me. He looks at me and sees it. He says, you've got, you've, you've got that. All is okay in my world because I'm close to and with God. And we need to let that sink in to our spirit this morning. You have peace with God forever. Do you know Jesus? Adam and Eve kicked out of the garden, sinned against God, brought back in. That's what's happening. There's a recreation that happens with us, right? God's settling. He's bringing us back, back in. That, that's, that's happening. The prodigal son, we've wandered off God, running out and grabbing hold of us and saying, yes, you're my son, you're my daughter. Tax collectors and sinners, that's us eating with the king of kings. Blind eyes open, dead now alive forever. What a wonder. Restoration, full and complete peace. This is the way. The only way. So what the kingdom of God is. Not, not, yes, you know, I know the kingdom's come. Not, not, yes, but. Just yes. Yes and amen, the Bible says. Romans 14, 17 says the kingdom of God is not eating or drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 6 says the mind on the spirit the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. These are not commands. I want to tell you this morning, you need to get some peace. That, that, that's not it. This is a description. This is the Bible describing. This is Paul saying, this is what you have. You can even understand why, right? Can't you understand with me if it's based on our justification? Because there's no more accusation. There's no more self-whipping. There's no more not measuring up. There's no more God looking down and saying, tut, tut, tut. If you've seen that little one, got to give him a swift kick. Nothing. Totally justified in the sight of a real God. And that means that you are the righteousness of God. Second Corinthians tells us in his eyes and therefore in everyone's eyes who see as God sees. Forever. Take that flesh. Take that accuser. Through him, verse two, we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Right? So through Jesus, it's all about Jesus. Through Jesus, we have obtained, means we we have had free entrance, freedom by faith. Here we have free. Come on in to this realm of grace. That's what he's talking about. It's a realm. There's one way to stand before the holy God of the universe. One way, it's by receiving the gift 
of Jesus Christ. Grace all the way through. Overwhelming. No one to accuse you. Look, you aren't qualified. Of course I'm not qualified. Are you kidding? It's grace. Dax, but you're a sinner. Of course I'm a sinner. You hypocritical Christian. No, no, you don't understand. I'm not telling you I'm good. I'm telling you Jesus is. That's not hypocrite. That's me actually agreeing with you that you want to come and say I'm a rotten sinner. Amen. I'll give you a hug. Are you there? Grace in which we stand. This realm where it's been given to us where we do, oh, so desire to be satisfied in our Savior. Great freedom. All given to me. Ah, I have it. Peace, I want it. I already have it. Wow. And here we are rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God, it says. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Our rejoicing isn't really this yay, yippee. It's boasting. Some of your versions might actually say boast. We boast. We have confident joy. We have confident joy in the hope of the glory of God. In this righteous declaration in Christ's finished work that's applied to me, this leads to confidence in me, confident joy in the hope of the glory of God. What is he saying? He's saying, look, there's something coming I don't have yet. That's why I need hope. It's out there. What is it? It's the glory of God for me. Do you guys actually, I know, I know you're quiet because you're respectful, but wahoo! The glory of God applied to us. We partake in the glory of God. It's not we're going to be God. No, no, no. He's giving us, he's saying that there's coming in the future, this coming time where you and I should partake of the glory of God. Now it's hope. Why is it hope? Because you don't do it yet. I know you don't do it yet because I look at you. And you look at me and you say, you punk. Why did you do that? And I say, oh, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I don't want it. I repent. But, 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 but you see that right now I'm, I'm, I'm fallen and you are too. And we have these struggles that we continue on in and we get better. The Lord helps us and he, we get more and more as we grow and mature. We hopefully lose some sins, but then we figure out we got others. And, oh man, what? So, no, but through it all, right? There's this idea, I hope, in the glory of God that's coming for you and me if our faith is in Jesus Christ. This gives me, this is my confident joy that what I have coming is promise, hope. We boast in this joy. It's unshakable, this peace. It's incredible, this freedom. What a picture for us of what we have in our, in our, in our Savior. Uh, back to hope for a minute because this is our other piece today. We have this unashamed hope, hope that he introduces here and then he develops for us. You say we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Sure of a love that's already been given. You see, I, I believe in Jesus, don't you? He died for us. He was raised for us. We put our trust in him. We believe this incredible news that by believing what Jesus said, by believing what Jesus did, it's called the gospel, we get to be the righteousness of God. In Jesus. We may not fully understand that. He's going to keep developing in that in Romans. We may not fully understand that, but 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 we trust enough to nod. Kind of like this, kind of like, kind of like that, that, that if someone walked up to me and said, here, I'd like to give you a million dollars. Let's practice. Great. I'd love that. 
Oh, no, 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 I don't understand. A million dollars, that sounds too good. No. If that promise is true, and it is, we know what's coming. We have confident, joyful hope. Sure hope. That's verse 2, right? We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Let's look at how how it develops, what it means practically. There in verse 3. Not only that, he says, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. See what this isn't saying. It's not saying, buck up. Stop being down about your circumstances. This is saying, your circumstances, look, your circumstances say nothing to you about God's favor. His favor is settled. If you believe in Jesus, it is on you. See, this is me again. Yes, but. Now, now, yes, Dax, I believe in Jesus. I know heaven is coming, but I'm suffering here. And and I wouldn't experience this suffering. It must be that I've done something wrong. It must be that God is hitting me for doing something wrong. If I could find the right three-step pattern, I could get out of this suffering and I could get what I want. But look what he actually says. He says, look, suffering now is not a sign that something's wrong, that God's mad at you, that you aren't righteous anymore. Because he's already said, look, through justification, faith in Jesus, you have God's favor. You have Jesus' righteousness. It's been applied to you. God looks at you and says, yes, you're mine. So now I see that suffering has a purpose because I'm in God's hand. All suffering. Right? He's not putting out, oh, suffering if you suffer for the cause of Jesus. Some, if it's persecution in Malaysia, if it's something like that, that's, that's suffering for Christ. I, I get it. That's good. This is, he's just talking about suffering. He's talking about being sick. He's talking about you being in a kingdom that is, that is of the world, because we're in the world's kingdom still. And at the same time, we've been declared that we're part of God's kingdom. God's perfect kingdom, where there will be no more sin. I know that's coming. That's my hope. I'm part of Christ's kingdom. I've seen seen as righteous by God. And so what am I doing? I'm waiting for heaven. Producing fruit for God while I wait for heaven. It's totally different than the Jewish teaching, by the way, which saw your declaration of righteousness happened at the end. Think with me just for a minute. Don't lose me because this is important. Here you say, okay, here, here, look. Look, if it happened at the end, then I tried and strived my whole life to be as perfect as I could so that when I met God, he would say, well done. I looked at all the things you did, and uh, that one's pretty good, and I had to toss that one, and this one's pretty good, and that one's okay. You got 54 in, you got 46 down. That's a net positive of six. In you come. That's not our faith. Our faith is in me. I got zero, or we can go negative. It's me. And then God looks at me and says, oh, Jesus, you get his righteousness. 
So I had that. And so now, now I see my suffering that why would God take his kid now and make him suffer? Well, look what it does. It says, if I know that's true, I know I'm settled. That fact of my justification that God's righteousness is given to me, I know it. So now if I suffer, I know God has a purpose that produces endurance in me. I just see that my faith continues even though the world hits at me in its sin, in my own sin, in things that want to knock me. I can stay and say, no, my steady promise is here. And when I see my faith remains there, what does it do? It produces hope. That endurance of patiently waiting and continuing to believe against all odds, against looking at the world that says, oh no, suffer. You say, no, 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 it's coming. It's coming. My hope. I'm less and less like that preacher from Ecclesiastes because I love the things here less. I'm looking less and less for stuff here to fulfill what can't be fulfilled. And more and more I hope because see my satisfaction, my joy is in this, my peace is in this hope that heaven is coming and, and it's all going to be right. And uh, I have peace with God right now if I'll just believe it. Not not believing in a impersonal, I just set my mind on peace and I'll have it. No, I believe in Jesus Christ. And so he sends his spirit to me and he, he makes me new. This is the Christian faith. He keeps going. But we know this, right? Think with me, our suffering, just for a minute more. J- Jesus, it says in... Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Jesus, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God. See, my Savior, he suffered in the world unto glory. And we're part of that, aren't we? So I have this justification. I have this knowledge, this steady knowledge that I believe in Jesus. My heart is regenerated. I'm new. I'm born again because of the Holy Spirit and what he's done. So I believe my Savior. And because of that, I have rightness with God. I experience peace. I know hope. And I suffer, but my suffering puts me in with Jesus. Because my Savior suffered. And my Savior now is in glory. And He promises that I will be too. That's for you and me today. And you say to me, okay, Dax, we aren't Jesus. Jesus knew God. How do we really know? Look what he says, verse 5. Hope does not put us to shame. Hope, our hope in future glory, sharing in God's glory, does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Do you see? Your hope is certain. Our confidence in Christ is sure. Why? Because of the outpouring of God's love in our hearts through the Spirit. God's love has been poured out on you and me. Some of you say, in what way? I say, you dude. Sorry, that's Hawaiian. I grew up in Hawaii. What are you thinking? You're righteous. You've got the righteousness of God. That's not God's love poured out on you that he sent his only son to die. What? The Holy Spirit, our seal, he makes us experience this love. It's not just head knowledge. It's not just saying, okay, I've got to agree with a certain set. Though actually says he gives us the Holy Spirit, who's our seal. He teaches us. He grows our hearts in experiencing and knowing God loves me. The reality of this love. 
We'll hear more about the Holy Spirit later, but for now, we have Him, and He helps us to experience and understand the incredible love of God that has been poured out like a river over us, water flooding our souls. What love? What love, you ask? Yes, yes, Dax, I hear it, Dax, Jesus died for me, but I don't really think it's true, or I don't really understand it. Well, here's a three-verse explanation of God's love, six through eight. Look, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Here's God's love. His son died for you. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though maybe for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Maybe you've heard the expression, push you to the cross. This is what you need to do. You need to be pushed to the cross whenever you want to go, yes, but. Whenever you want to say, oh, but I'm so bad. or No, get pushed to the cross. Why? Because it's evidence of the love of God. He sent his only son to earth to die on a cross for our sins. He did it. He gave his son. That's love. It's there. And you. it's not like he did it because you were great. He didn't do it because you and I were stunningly, marvelously righteous and trying hard to be holy. He did it when we were, what? Sinners. Maybe you've lost the meaning of sinners. You were twisted and horrible and wrong and diseased and dead. And, 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 and God and God saw that slimy garbage that we are and he said, I, I, love, I, I love you. And I, I give my son for you. Weak, unrighteous, and sinners. A human being wouldn't do it, but God did in Jesus. His one way, never-ending, overwhelming, undeserved, radical, sacrificial love. And it's visible on display in Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit helps us to experience it. Take it in. He's working on you right now. Smile. This is our salvation. So in summary, this is our confident hope and unashamed hope. Here he does. He summarizes in nine. Since therefore, we have now been justified by his blood. That's the blood of Jesus Christ shed for us. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we are enemies, we are reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Okay, do you see how this gives us hope? Do you see what he's actually saying? This is what he's saying. Do you see the much more twice repeated? Paul's doing this. He says this. He says, look, you guys. Look, 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 look. The hard thing is done. What the normal way to argue is, you argue from the lesser to the greater. So I pick up an apple and I say, oh, you see this apple? And it's round. And I hold it up to the sun. And I say, you can kind of see up there the thing that I can't really test up there. So I see that it's the sun is also round. I argued from the lesser of the apple to the greater, the sun that I can't really even wrap my mind around. Paul does the opposite. Paul says, look, look, the hard thing, the amazing thing, the thing you can't even imagine, it's done. This is what gives us such peace. This is what just blows us away. Jesus died. God gave his son for you awful people. It's done. How much more then will he Pick up the little pieces that are done. Left. He'll save you through Jesus forever. See, the, the, the big, massive thing is done, and there's the little pieces left to do over here. You mean you're worried about the little pieces when he did that massive work over there? Don't be. 
If we've been justified by his blood, this is the radical thing we can't even really understand. I try with many words to try and figure it out for us so we can say, oh, we understand justification by the blood of Jesus. His righteousness actually applied to me. I'm not righteous myself, but in Christ, I'm totally right and true. And God looks at me and says, yes. That's the work. How much more will be saved from the wrath of God? You know, Jesus already paid for the wrath of God. Of course he's going to be saved eventually. We're, we're just waiting for him to come. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. If while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. There's the big thing. How much more now that we're reconciled shall we be saved by his life? He did it. And he's alive. So, uh, salvation. He's looking at the final piece of glorification and saying you and I it's coming confident joy in hope because the great thing has been done and us who believe that's it we weren't qualified no one is we were declared righteous by the shed blood if God killed his son as a sacrifice how much more saved from his wrath since it's been swallowed up in the death of his son that's our hope we're not saved by our life We're saved by his life. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. We sing it, right? That's our hope. And more than that, he's our peace. He ends there in 11. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Hope, confident hope, confident joy in the hope that we have that we'll share in God's glory and peace right now. Well-being. Rightness with God. We know it no matter what buffets us, no matter what temptations come our way. We have peace with God in our Savior. John Chrysostom, I put a quote there for you. It says, And so the fact of His saving us and saving us too when we were in such plight and doing it by means of His only begotten, not merely by his only begotten, but by his blood, weaves for us endless crowns to glory in. Confident joy, boastable. I want that for you today. This is not a punch in the gut. This is not a command to experience peace. This is not saying you must walk around beatifically hopeful. I'm so hopeful today. I'm so fake when I'm really anxious inside. That's not this. This is a call to see yourself as you are, to reorient your confidence away from other things, away from Solomon's stuff that he tried, away from those things, and in your righteousness in Christ alone. No more yes, but. In Jesus, yes. And 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, all our promises find their yes in Him. This is our ground, the basis, our reality. That's peace. This is the ground, the reality. That's hope. It's not in us. It's not in our goodness. It's not in our efforts. Not at all. If you try and make it these, guilt and sadness and despair will follow. But if you see yourself here this morning, and with me you say, oh Jesus, you did pay it all. I am justified in you. The reality is we have well-being. We can rejoice confidently in the hope that's ours forever.
take that with you. Let's pray.